God's Word. And let me just say that it's Christmas time. You know, in our neighborhood, a lot of houses had their lights up before Turkey Day. It's like, what's up with this? So we did it. You got to keep up with the Joneses, right? And, um, but I think it's because people want the cheer of Christmas, the happiness of Christmas, celebration of Christmas. It's a dark, troubled world. And there's something about those lights and all of that that sort of lifts your spirits. And of course, in the front yard of a lot of them is nativity scenes. There you've got the little baby Jesus in a cradle or in a manger. Actually, it was a feeding trough for animals. But who's counting? Anyway, so there's that. And then there's either the wise men or the shepherds looking down at the little baby Jesus in the manger. And that's what Christmas is to a lot of people. It stops there. But why did he come? Why did Jesus really come? Because if you believe the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative, then you know the Bible claims God wrapped himself in skin and came to earth and became one of us. So now, why did he come? To use an old worn out phrase, but a good one, what's the real reason for the season? Why did Jesus come? Why go to all the trouble? Why come to earth like that and suffer like he did? Let's face it, his life was not a party. His uh, life was loaded with danger, trouble, attack, persecution, and finally death. So why did he come? I'm going to read to you exactly why Jesus came. And then I'm going to talk to you about it. Matthew 1.18. Here's the Christmas narrative. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the virgin, or I'm sorry, before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, right there, we've run into a miracle. This takes it beyond a normal story. Anything that would ever happen normally. A virgin conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Never before, never again. Has that ever happened or ever will? Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He was going to say goodbye and move on. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So God sent an angel to invade his dream. And he said to Joseph in a dream, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She was not with another man, Joseph. What has happened to her is supernatural. She conceived by the power of of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Why call him Jesus? Here's why he came. For he will save his people from their sins. Okay. That's why he came. He will save his people. So Lord, we thank you today for the word of God. And we pray that you'll bless it to our hearts. 
and help us to walk out of here with a fresh revelation as to why you ever came, why you're here. And we thank you for coming to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, what a Savior. Now you find that also in Luke's gospel, uh, the archangel Gabriel was sent to Mary. God sent one of the two archangels to Mary to tell her that she was to call him Jesus. So the Lord appeared to both, both parents, Joseph the stepdad, because he did not sire Jesus. Uh, he was the stepdad. But sent an angel to him in a dream and said, here's what you got to be sure you call him. Be sure you call him Jesus. This is his name, Jesus. And then Gabriel appears to Mary. Be sure you call him Jesus. His name will be Jesus. So heaven was very concerned that Jesus was named the right name, the name that typified what he would be about, the name of Jesus. And if ever there was a name loaded with meaning, it's the name Jesus. He's been given a name that is above every name, both in heaven and earth and under the earth, is the name of Jesus. Heaven loves the name. Hell fears the name. The name convicts of sin. The name carries power, authority, weight, gravitas. The name is mighty. There is not another name stronger or higher, more authoritative, more powerful than that name, particularly in the spiritual arena where nothing goes away, nothing ever dies. The spirit world is very aware of the name of Jesus. In Hebrew, his name is Yeshua. And Yeshua means to rescue, to deliver, or to save. The name Jesus in English simply means the Lord is salvation. So that's why we call him Savior. Because a Savior comes to save somebody from something. A Savior saves. Jesus didn't come just to walk around and say nice things and become one of many religious leaders in history. No, no, he's not even in the same bracket. He's not even in the same lane. Jesus is in his own stratosphere. Jesus is not just another world religious leader. Jesus was sent on a divine rescue mission. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. <clears throat> Jesus came to rescue to save from danger, from uh, a, a peril. He came to rescue because we couldn't rescue ourselves. He came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. He came to deliver us because we couldn't deliver ourselves. But from what? From our sins. That's what it says. Now, there's a lot of churches these days, uh, particularly in the West, they don't even want to talk about sin. You, you're, it's rare that you hear the word sin. But isn't that strange because the whole reason our Savior came was to save us from our sins. To save us from our sins. That's why he came. So God announces to Joseph, name him Jesus because he's come to save us from our sins. So 
you hear that, and out there in the world today, you can go up to a lot of people and say, what's sin? They don't know what sin is, and maybe you're not clear about what sin is. So let me just first define what he came to save us from. He came to save us from sin. Now, sin in the Bible is described this way. It's very simple, breaking God's law. It's breaking God's law. That's what sin is, breaking the law of God, breaking God's law. 1 John 3, 4, everybody who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. So sin is simply breaking God's law. Well, what's God's law? Well, it's encapsulated, it's summarized in the Ten Commandments. And here they are, very simple. Don't put anything above God. Don't create false idols. Of course, we don't do that in America. little show called American... Don't lie about others. Don't take God's name in vain. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet what somebody else has. That house, that car, that spouse. Don't covet what they have. And honor your parents. Now there is a a summary of God's law. The Bible says, taking it a little bit further, that if you break one of those, and we've all broken one of those, unless somebody is in here who's never lied, never stolen anything, never coveted what somebody else has, never put anything above God, never fashioned an idol or had an idol in your life that took the place of God. If that's you, can I meet you at the end of the service and let you lay your hands on me? Because we've all done it. The whole idea is the reason Jesus had to come and rescue us is because we could not keep these commandments in our own strength. And the Bible says if you break one, you've broken them all. Listen to this. The person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. There you go. So further, why do we do it? Why do we break God's laws? Because it's how we were born. We've all sinned because from Adam, we all inherited the inclination to sin, which is why we sin. When Adam sinned, We all went with him. When the head of the human race went down, we all went down with him. And when Adam sinned, it came to all of us. Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So everybody is drowning in their sin, can't help their sin, are inclined to sin, are born to sin, And that's why we needed a Savior to save us from our sins. Amen? So thank God for Jesus Christ who died on the cross to save me from my sins. The whole idea is you can't help yourself, you can't save yourself. We've all seen people rescued when they were drowning or rescued from a house fire, rescued from some perilous situation from which they could not save themselves. The whole idea and message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that we could not save ourselves. We're all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We have an inclination to sin because of Adam's nature that we were born with. So unless somebody saves us, we're going down. In a generation of self-help, girl, you can do anything, guy, you can do anything, That's not true. There's one thing you cannot do. You cannot save yourself from your sins. You can't. You can't. Paul, 
I, I pre so appreciate the Apostle Paul's transparency, his honesty, because here's, here's what he wrote. He said, so the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I what? Can't. Why not, Paul? Because you're born with a sinful nature. You're going to sin as easy as you breathe. Anybody ever have to teach you or me to sin? No, we did it all on our own, didn't we? And we were really good at it, weren't we? Now watch this. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Some of you experienced that this week. You want to do what was right, but you did wrong. You didn't want to do wrong, but you did wrong. You wanted to do right, but you couldn't. You ended up doing wrong. Have you ever had one of those, what was I thinking moments? Have you ever had one of those times where you said to yourself, what in the world was I thinking? Because I know what's right. I know what I should do. I know where I should go. I know what I would say, but I didn't. What, what in the world was I thinking? See, that's the sin dilemma. Paul, finally, he, he said, man, he said, I can't help myself. So he says, what a miserable person I am. And then he asked the million-dollar question. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who will free me? What can I do? How can I win? How can I be free? And he answers his own question. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's why Jesus came. He came because sin is real. It cuts us off from God. It destroys our life. And it ultimately sends us to a Christless eternity. We're all going down in the ocean of sin. Going down for the last time. And God sent a lifesaver. There it is. And Jesus is written on it. And he says, grab hold and I'll pull you out. Grab hold and I'll save you. Grab hold and I'll rescue you and deliver you. Grab hold and I'll take you where you couldn't go on your own, do for you what you couldn't do on your own. Grab hold of it and I'll save you and give you eternal life. So this is why Jesus came. He said, be sure you call him Jesus because it means Savior because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I was thinking about that this week and it occurred to me there's a lot of ways, several ways, he saves us from sin. Usually when you say to somebody, are you a Christian? They say, oh yeah, I'm going to heaven one day. And that's all they know about how he saved us from our sin. But there's several ways that when Jesus came, he saved us from our sins. Let me just give you a few. First of all, this is a big one. This is one I'm so thankful for. But he saves us from the guilt of our sin. He saves us from the guilt of our sin. Guilt is a paralyzer. Guilt is a killer. Guilt is a constrictor. Guilt is a, is a killer of dreams. Guilt is a, a killer of, of uh, potential. Guilt, guilt is a killer. It's a, it's a taskmaster. It's a ball and chain that weighs your heart down, saps your joy, destroys your happiness, and ruins your enjoyment of life. Guilt. Guilt is one of the plagues of the human race. Guilt. Uh, guilt is a bummer. Guilt is a destroyer. 
In worst case scenarios, it can bring a person to the place of totally giving up on life. Why should I keep on going when I keep on doing the same old things? I'm just tired of trying. I give up. I'm tired of guilt. I give up. Some of you are almost there. You're about to give up. Some of you watching, maybe you're just about to give up because you keep repenting for the same thing. You can't figure it out. Let me just quote Paul again. He says, who will deliver me? Thank God, Jesus Christ will. Thank God, Jesus Christ will. He will deliver me. And he delivers us from the, the, the nagging voice of guilt. We try so many things to get rid of guilt other than the one thing that will work. We try drowning it in alcohol. If I just drink. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take the guilt away. It's going to erase it. I'll forget about it when I'm buzzed. The alcohol buzz. People say, oh, I'm just doing it to have fun. Are you really? Sometimes you're drinking to drown the voice of guilt. Or we numb it through drugs. Don't tell me we've got a national drug plague because people just like the buzz. Why are they doing something like that that would ruin their life? Sometimes, not always, but sometimes... It's to drown the voice of guilt. Numb it. Shut it up. Silence it. Muffle it. But here's the thing about guilt. It's like a beach ball in the water. You can push it down, but it's coming back up. It's going to come back up. We try silencing its voice through busyness. Constant busyness. New pursuits. Distractions. Because we, wanna, we can't sit still long enough. I, I read about a so-called movie star. I hate calling anybody a star. There's one star in my orbit. His name is Jesus, but that's what they're called. But this movie star got arrested, got put in jail, and they were way up in a jail, many stories high, and they were in a cell all alone. And they almost went stark raving mad. And they said afterwards, they were interviewed, why did you go so crazy in that cell? Because it was so quiet, I had to face my thoughts. What thoughts? How you're living, where you're going, the guilt, the conviction. Silence it. I can't stand being alone. We rationalize it away. Oh, it's not really there. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. I'm just going to deny it, rationalize it away. But you can't. Nothing really takes away the sting of guilt because God put that in us. The reason we feel guilty is because we're guilty. Amen? Now, if you're washing the blood of the lamb, you're, you're cool, you're good. I'm getting there, so hang on. But if you're feeling guilty, there's a reason for that because you can feel guilty this way. I shouldn't have done that person this way or that way. But there's also guilt this way. I know I'm guilty before God. And so until God sets you free of guilt this way, you can't drown it. You can't deny it. You feel guilty because you're guilty. And there's only one thing that'll get rid of the guilt. It's the blood of Jesus. The only thing that'll get rid of it is the blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. The blood that spilled down that old rugged cross. Crazy as it may seem, Paul the Apostle said, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. But to those of us who know him, who have been born again, who are saved. It is Christ, the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God, and the cross is what saved me. 
Only the blood of Jesus, friend, can take the guilt away, really get rid of it, really remove it, where there literally is no more guilt for what you've done, where you've gone, what you said, what you did. Only the blood of Jesus. You call His name Jesus, Savior, because He will save His people from their sins. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in Him as personal Lord and Savior. And I like this next, this next paraphrase. Those who enter by faith into Christ no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud of guilt. Isn't that beautiful? Because when you go to the cross, there at the cross, listen, one sacred drop of Jesus Christ's blood running down that cross is enough to cover the sins of the entire world. Well, how can I access that blood? You just go to the Lord. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of how much unrighteousness? All of it. And when you know that heaven has said, not guilty, and instead heaven is saying, forgiven, then it goes away. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount, no other source I know. Nothing, not anything, but the blood of Jesus. Amen? He shall save his people from their sins, from the guilt of their sins. Then second, here's another way. He saves us from the power of sin. You got to get this. You got to get this now. You don't just have a ticket to fly when the rapture comes, when you're saved. But when Jesus came to live in your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He set you free from the power of sin. The Scriptures tell us that the entire human race is under the power and control of sin. Listen to 1 John 1, uh, 5, 19. We know that Satan rules all the people who belong to this world. How does he rule them? Because they must sin. That fallen nature, they're under that fallen nature and they must sin. So it's like you're on a slave ship rowing and the taskmaster is whipping you. Sin, sin, sin. And you're rowing, sinning, sinning, sinning. You're under the power, not just the condemnation of sin, the guilt of sin, but the power of it the sway of it, the authority of it, the dominion of it. You must sin until a stronger than sin comes into your life. A stronger one. The Bible teaches before Christ we were literally the slaves of sin. We were slaves to it. When you were slaves to sin in that boat, rowing, a slave ship, you were free from the control of righteousness. You didn't have to worry about righteousness. You never did it. Not naturally. Because you were under the control of sin. But then you called on Jesus and something dramatically happened. Something powerful happened. Something that a lot of Christians never get happened. 
Not only were you forgiven and the guilt of your sin was washed away, but you were delivered from its power because you changed owners. You changed owners. Before you knew Jesus, you were owned by the devil. You were a child of the devil. So was I. But once we come to Jesus, we go from one king to another, from the devil to Jesus, one kingdom to another, kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. We go from death to life, from lost to found, from blind to sight. We are dramatically affected powerfully. It's difficult to put it into words. What happens? You are literally translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. And once you get a new owner, you don't have to obey the former owner because he doesn't own you anymore. Now you're owned by the blood of Jesus that paid for you. That's why the Bible says you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Well, what price was I bought with? The price of the shed blood of Jesus. And he, he, he translated you. Now you don't have to obey the dictates of sin. That's your old boss. You can tell your old boss to take a hike. Come on, everybody. You can tell your old boss to take a hike. He's got nothing on you. You change bosses. Amen. Romans 6.20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But then, it says in Romans 6.14, now, so that's the way you were, that's the way you were, you never did anything really truly righteous because you were in sin. But now, that's only the way you were. How are we now? Now, sin can no longer tell you how to live. After all, you, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. But now you are free, verse 22 says. Now you are free from the power of sin. Not just the guilt of sin, the power of it. And you have become a slave of God. I answer to another master now. I answer to another king. I answer to another boss. Amen. Y'all are quiet today. This is why Jesus came. This is why he came. I remember reading about an old circus elephant. This old circus elephant. Little a family was watching the elephant uh, tricks and all of that that they're taught. So they're watching the, the elephant show. Uh, from the bleachers, huge crowd. And here's this big elephant. And he's got a little rope around one foot. And that rope leads to one stake in the ground. A little kid up in the stand says to his mom and dad, Mommy, why doesn't he just pull that stake out and walk away? He's this huge behemoth. But there's one little rope and a little teeny stake keeping him where he is. The mother said, because he doesn't know he can. A lot of you, and I've been there, are held by a little tiny stake because you don't know he delivered you from the power of sin. And you can pull that stake up and walk. Yes. 
You really believe that, Jeff? Oh, I totally believe it. And, and every single day, I lean on him to live it. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit in me. If I by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, I will live. The last way that Jesus delivers us that I want to talk about is from the eternal consequences of sin. He delivers us from the guilt of it, the power of it, and the eternal consequences of it. He shall save his people from their sins. The very worst effect to me of sin, sin is deadly. It's strychnine. It's kryptonite. It's everything bad. Because here's what sin does above everything else. It separates us from God. It's a great separator. Jesus puts your hand in God's hand and brings us together. But sin separates pulls us away from God. Imagine trying to leap across the Grand Canyon. Good luck. But you'd have better luck leaping across the Grand Canyon than you would bridging the chasm between you and God when sin is in the middle. Because sin puts an inseparable, impassable chasm between us and God. But the cross came to be laid down over that chasm where we walk across it to God. The cross is the way to God. The cross is the way to forgiveness, the way to deliverance, the way to liberty, the way to healing. If you want to really be free, humble yourself and go to the cross. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Isaiah the prophet wrote, And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he doesn't hear you. So notice what sin does. It it, it separates between you and God. And, And he doesn't hear us. So all the things that we lose in the here and now, we lose his peace. We lose his his life, his fellowship, his wisdom, his guidance, his answered prayer, his strength, his comfort, his presence. That's why sin is never, ever, never, ever, ever, never worth it. But the most serious consequence of sin is eternal separation from God. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, they, those that reject the salvation Christ offers, will suffer the punishment. I didn't write this. This is your Bible. The punishment of eternal destruction. Now here's... Here's what gives me the creeps. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. A lot of people say hell is burning. A lot of people say it's outer darkness. A lot of people say it's gnashing of teeth. It's given several metaphorical type illustrations. But here's the one that gets me. Never again experiencing the presence of God. Jesus, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The guilt of them, the power of them, and the eternal consequences of them. Because here's what the Bible promises. The Bible promises if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and it cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And I'm going to give you a Christmas gift. Here's my best gift to you. Are you ready? Here it is, and then we're going to stand. Here's my Christmas gift to you. I'm just telling you about it. Now, I know I'm talking mainly to the choir, but we need to be reminded of this. This is why we're here as a church, to declare to the world. Amen. That Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's a major, major thing. It's everything. But here's the greatest gift. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Can we stand together? Stand with me. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's Christmas time. All we're thinking about is gifts, giving gifts, receiving gifts. But God gave us a gift that you cannot begin to match. All right? Watch me, everybody. Listen to this. Have you received it? Because I can say, got a $100 bill here? I really don't, but let's pretend. Let, let me give you this $100 bill. You can say, thank you so much. That's great that you're holding a $100 bill. How gracious of you. But, but no thanks. Then the gift is worthless. It means nothing to you. There's a lot of people who know about Jesus. So many Americans say they know him. But their lifestyles don't show it. But, but they, to me, it's clear they haven't really accepted. You've got to accept any gift. What would the, your spouse or your parents or whoever on Christmas morning when you went under the tree and there's a gift and you said, I just don't think I'll open that. I don't, I don't believe I'll open that. Well, I said, I gave it to you. I know. I appreciate it. It's beautiful. The gift wrapping, but no thanks. Would you be offended? Would you? Well, I paid money for that. I took the time and trouble to wrap it. And you don't want it? But what about when you neglect so great a salvation? The gift of eternal life. Removing the guilt, the power, eternal consequences. So have you opened it? Because if you open that gift, the outer box and the paper, that's Jesus because he's so beautiful. But when you open it, the peace of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing, the deliverance, the presence, the wisdom, the strength, the comfort. I mean, there's so many things in that box. You're crazy to not take it and open it. Amen? So can we lift our hands to the Lord today? Father, we just thank you for the gift of Jesus. What an amazing gift. We thank you, Lord, that you came to save us from our sins, the guilt of them, the power of them, and the eternal consequences of them. Lord, what an incredible thing you did. Help us to fully embrace it, walk in it, apply it, and live it because you gave it to us as a free gift. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed just for a moment, you can say, Jeff, I don't know that I've ever received that gift. Think, think carefully, have you? 
You've got you to receive it. You've got to take it to yourself. And then you've got to open it. Have you done that? Is there a time and a place you can look back and say, that's when I accepted the gift and I opened the box and my life has changed ever since. If you've got a question about that, if you're not sure about that, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer here at this Christmas season because the greatest thing that could ever happen to you this Christmas season is that the whole reason for the season comes into your heart. So let's pray together. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you need to pray it, pray it with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. Wash and cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I've broken God's law. And I need forgiveness. And I need your salvation. Lord, I call on you as my Savior and Lord. And I place my faith in your shed blood on the cross. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed, just for a moment, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise, but if you prayed that with me, raise your hand. Just raise it up where we can see you, where he can see you. Yes, way back in the back. God bless you and God bless you. God bless you. Several people. Several people. Uh, all of you with raised hands, look at me. Uh, I'm going to dismiss the service in a minute or two. But I'm asking you to come this way. And let me pray with you one more time. Would you do that? It won't take any time at all. But I want to meet you. I want to pray with you. And it's very important. I give you something, many, several things to take home with you that will help you in your new walk with Christ. All right? So if you raise your hand, do we have a deal? You're going to come down here as soon as we're dismissed. Well, I, I want to beat the traffic. God will make a way for you. He divided the Red Sea. He'll give you a great way out. All right? So I'm looking for you as soon as we dismiss. All right? How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen.